This is why we obey God even when it hurts. This is why we love even when it hurts. It, it's because we do not see the end of the story. We do not see the whole story, the whole plan, the whole anything. We only see what's in front of us, but God sees everything. So if he tells you to do something and it's really hard and you don't understand, do it anyway, because he has a purpose in that. Welcome to the Complicated Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah May, and this is a show all about exploring messy heart topics and the strategies we can use to seek healing in the pain and restoration in the ruins. Hey, hey, friends. Today on the podcast, you're going to get to listen to one of my live morning show episodes. Oh, Did you know I have a morning show? I do. It's called the Let's Get Free Morning Show, and it's on Instagram Live every day, Monday through Friday at 9.15 a.m. Today's Let's Get Free show was about mourning our losses, whether that's a death, a dream, a relationship, or whatever loss you've experienced or are experiencing. Mourning is all about facing the truth and then learning how to process and move forward through it. Before you listen in on this morning's live show, two quick things. One, please, please, please take five minutes and go to saramaycom forward slash survey because I have a survey for you to fill out so I can better understand and know who you all are who listen to this show. I know it's a pain, but please just hop on over real quick and get it over with. <laughs> it would be very, very helpful to me. The link is in the show notes, or you can just go to saramaycom forward slash survey. Thank you so much. Second, the review winner this week is Fitness 13. Congrats, Fitness 13. Here is her review. This podcast is just what I needed to get brave and bold to tell my story. I love that Sarah talks about the hard things because that's the only way we have breakthroughs and healing. I love that Sarah is the real deal and her enthusiasm to help others shines through her mic. This podcast is a game changer and I'm glad that I found Sarah, her podcast, and now her new book. Well, Fitness 13, thank you so very much for that. You need to go ahead and email me at podcast at saramay.com and in the subject write review winner so that I can send you a little gift. If any of you listening want to leave a review, you should, because each week I pick a winner and send a little gift in the mail to them. To leave a review, just head to iTunes, which I think is now Apple Podcasts. I really need to catch up on these updates. And find the Complicated Heart podcast, and then scroll down to ratings and reviews and click write a review. Thank you so much. This is how people know if they should listen to the show or not, so your review really matters. Okay, well now for today's show. The audio is not awesome because it was taken from an iPhone video, (laughs) but otherwise, enjoy. If you want to get to the meat, just fast forward a few minutes, or you can listen to me talk about an awkward book signing. You're welcome. Okay, here it is. This is the redo live show, the get free, the, let's see, the let's get free morning show with your host, me, Sarah May, and the crazy dogs, which are not around right now. So yay, Nikkel, you're here. Yay, hi, Nikkel. Uh, I know her personally. She has a gorgeous little boutique in Lititz where I live. It's called the Mustard uh, the Mustard Seed on Main, and it's super cute. Earrings and clothes and 
mugs and all kinds of cute things. So if you live in Lancaster, you should go to Lidditz and check out the mustard seed on Maine. It is a beautiful morning. It is a beautiful morning. I said this in the video that I deleted, but the good thing, so you're seeing all the like crummy parts of having a dog, quite frankly, and they are crummy. Uh, there are parts that are crummy, but the really there's really good parts too, and the affection and the sweetness and the playfulness, and a really big thing, especially for me as somebody who works from home and is a writer, is that I can literally stay on my butt all day long, which writing, and it's really bad for your body. And it's really bad for my psyche as well. And so the good thing about having dogs is it literally gets me outside and walking every single day. And so like this morning, I went out at 7 a.m. and I took like a 30-minute walk with the dogs. And it was so refreshing and so good. And so I do love that. Um, the book signing, how honest should I be? <laughs> the book signing was fun and that I got to hang out with Nikkel and uh, another some other friends of mine that came. But I sold two books. I sold two books. Um, but that's okay because and two people came and signed and I signed them. Uh, <laughs> book signings are kind of like that, I guess, unless you're really famous, which I'm not. But it was worth it for the one person because one person came to see me from uh, like 40 minutes away, which was really, really cool and really sweet. But the other person had never heard of me, was not there for a book signing. She was just there like checking out the shop. And she, my son was there and he was helping me sell books and he's hilarious. And he was like going up to everybody. He's like, my mom wrote a book. And then he takes the books and he lines them up all across the front of the, um, like area where the register is. So like you couldn't even put your stuff down without seeing my book. It was so cute and so funny. And, and so this woman and her friend were there and, uh, and I was like, well, Hey, I've got this book. Cause the guy was like, are you the author of this? And I'm like, yeah, I am. And the woman picks up the book and she reads the first line on the back, which says, how do you forgive when the wound is still open? And she put the book down and she turned around and she was like, that hits too close to home. And I was like, oh, she's got to have this book. And I'm thinking, oh, if she doesn't buy the book, I'm just going to give it to her. <laughs> um, and so she, anyway, so I'm talking to her friend that's a guy and, uh, you know, he's asked me questions and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, I think I'm just going to give her the book if she doesn't buy it. And he's like, that's a terrible sales strategy. And I was like, well, maybe, but I think that like, she may really like this book. And so he was like, well, then I'm going to go ahead and get it for her. And I'm like, oh, well then apparently it was a really good sales strategy. <laughs> just kidding. I didn't say that to him. Um, but she ended up getting the book. And for me, just knowing that something hit a tender spot in her heart when she read that line and that she had no idea who I was, no idea about the book, and that she took it home to read, that made the whole entire uh, two hours worth it. Um, and that's why we do these things. So anyway, I just wanted to I don't know why I told you guys that. Oh, because somebody asked how the book signing went. So it was uh, like awkward, but I didn't let it be awkward. And then I know how these things tend to go sometimes. And plus there was, wasn't that much advance notice, you know, blah, blah, blah. All to say it was worth it for the person who drove 40 minutes to see me. And it was worth it for the woman who ended up taking home the book. 
um, because something resonated with her. So anyway, uh, all right. So morning, <laughs> let's, let's actually talk about this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you an excerpt from the book because I love starting with story. And then I'm going to go through a couple of truths and a couple of strategy things, and then we'll be done for today. And I don't know what we'll talk about tomorrow. Uh, we'll just have to see. I have so many things, uh, like, you know, I'll think I want to talk about morning and then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I got to talk about boundaries. And then I'll be like, Oh my gosh, somebody has these great questions on gaslighting. I got to revisit that. So I don't know if there's going to be a great order and theme to how I do this. We'll see. Uh, all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a definition and then I'm going to read this excerpt from, and I know I've said this a couple times, but I'm going to say it again. Morning is the process of facing reality. And what is reality? Reality is the truth. A lot of us don't, we don't mean to do this, but we, we don't want to face what actually is happening for a variety of reasons. We don't want to do that. It's not always conscious. Um, but what are some things that we mourn? We mourn deaths. We mourn the end of relationships. We, we mourn the end of dreams. All of these things and more are valid losses. And a lot of times we think we don't have to mourn or grieve over them. But the truth is that if we want to get free and we want to find healing, all of the things in our life that have been a loss, it's important to take time to mourn. And sometimes that mourning will be short. And sometimes that mourning will take a lot of time and a lot of effort and hard work on your part. Um, but it, it matters. And I know our tendency can be like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm fine. And you can do that. You've got the freedom to brush things under the rug, so to speak, or think it's not a big deal. But if you are a child of God, especially like that ain't going to happen because God's going to keep bringing it up in his love because he is relentless when it comes to our freedom and our healing. So you, I always tell people, well, you, I understand you're afraid, but you can deal with things now or you can deal with them when you're 80 years old because God in his love will continue to bring the things up that he wants to heal. So the sooner you deal with things, uh, I think the more free you're going to have in this life to not only for yourself to be emotionally and spiritually healthy, but so that you can love others, so that you can love your children well, so that we can change generations, so that we can really be kingdom people. Okay, so that's the setup. Um, oh, this is really important too. To, so to mourn is to grieve something. It's the process of facing reality, like I said. To hope is to believe that loss is not all there is. So just because we mourn does not mean that we're getting rid of hope. And I do want to talk about hope here in a minute. So I'm going to read an excerpt from my book, The Complicated Heart. This is the chapter on mourning the loss of a mother. Okay. So the context is that I, you know, the Lord's been doing some things in me and I'm not talking to my mom. I'm taking a break because I need a break from her. And then I start to realize that under all the rage, because I was very angry, was a deep sadness. And you're going to, I'm going to read this little, it's not really like a poem. It's just some unedited thoughts that were in a notebook that I wrote in college. So here it is. Now that I'm not talking to my mom, a new pain surfaces. I want a mom. I don't have a mom. God, it hurts. I scribble some unedited thoughts in a notebook. What's it like? What's it like to be held by her? What's it like to cry on her shoulder? What's it like to come home to someone who wants to hear about your day? 
What's it like to talk to her about boys? What's it like to ask her for advice? What's it like when she hugs you? What's it like to need her? What's it like to be loved by her? What's it like? I never had her, but I miss her so much. My desire for a mom is intensifying, and there seems to be a gaping hole where the love of a mother is supposed to be. It's interesting because after learning about core lies and how I've self-protected for so long, I wasn't prepared for the emotions that would come when I laid down my self-protection. Turns out, under all the self-protecting, I'm really sad about not having a mother. I've gone so long without motherly affection that I guess I thought I was fine without it. I'm not. I see other daughters with their moms, and they're happy. Their moms might not be perfect, but they let their daughters cuddle up next to them and put their head on their mom's shoulder. The daughters ask their moms for advice, and they talk about what's on their mind, their joys, and their heartaches. Their moms defend them and protect them and nurture them, and they know they are loved. I'm so jealous. I hate them all. I don't really, but I kind of do. I believe that mom loves me somewhere in her heart, in her own way, in the way she is capable, I guess, but she does not love me the way my heart desires it, the way a daughter's heart is designed for a mother's love. There is a crevice in my heart that she isn't filling, like a cavity that irritates the gums and grows bigger and deeper if not treated. I feel it, but I don't know how to fix it. I need to talk to someone about this pain. The church I attend gives me a recommendation for a counselor. This is how I meet Melanie. I take myself and my mother issues to this Melanie woman, and we sit down in her small office, and I smile nervously because maybe this is dumb that I'm here. We make small talk, blah, 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 and at some point, I tell her my mom didn't send me a birthday card this year, and I know it's dumb, but I'm really sad about it. We talk, and by we, I mean me, and it turns out there is a load of sorrow and despondency right underneath my skin. I'm flat out sad, down to the bone, cry me a river sad, and also, I'm pretty ticked off. My mom abandoned her role as a mother, and she chose her alcohol over her children, and she is a mean, offensive, unedited, stubborn word I will not use here. And another also, I want to be held. Will I ever have a mother like that? Like the kind that holds their daughters and carries their hearts? That's mushy, I know. But this is where I'm at. Mush and ache and anger and desperate for physical affection. Here's what I want to hear Melanie, the counselor, tell me. Yes, it's possible to have those things. Maybe not with your mom, but maybe with another woman that will fill that role. Maybe another woman will adopt you as her own and take you in and nurture you and give you all that your heart has been longing for. Melanie did not say those words. Instead, she said this, you have to mourn the loss of a mother. So, and I go explore that in the book, but one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn in my life was the importance of mourning our losses and letting go of expectations. For me, I had to mourn the loss of a mother because the reality, the truth was, I did not have a mother. My husband, I told you the story yesterday about how the dream of him becoming a police officer was 
destroyed because he is partially deaf in both ears and the police academy would not allow him to pass because of that. He has he had to learn how to mourn the loss of that dream. That dream was not going to come to fruition. It was a valid loss and it was extraordinarily painful. And this is why we don't like to mourn because it means we have to face the truth of a thing. And to face the truth of a thing is to, well, face the truth of a thing. <laughs> so the truth was my husband was not ever going to become a police officer. And he had to mourn that valid loss. The truth for me was that I did not have a nurturing mom, the mom that I so desperately wanted. And so I had to learn what that looked like to mourn her as though she died because it's a death, whether it's the death of a dream or the death of a person or the death of what you wanted that person to be, who that person should have been. It's still a death and it is worthy of mourning. Again, the caveat here is that we don't ever mourn the future because we don't ever want to mourn what God may yet restore. Hope, hope is what is in the future. Hope says loss is not all that there is. But we do need to mourn the reality of our present and the past. So it's very important. Okay, so here are some truths that we need to recognize and face so that we can move on in freedom. Because here's the great news is that you can still have joy in the midst of loss and unmet needs. And like I said the other day, like that's the mystery. <laughs> the mystery is how on earth can you have joy in the midst of loss and unmet needs? But we can. Um, okay, so here's some truths. The truth is, no matter how much I wished and prayed and hoped at that current juncture, I did not have a mom. No matter how hard you may work on something, it may not come to fruition. It may or may not come to fruition. We hear a lot in our culture about just work hard, like go for your dreams, do it, you can do it, like it's on you, you're in control, you run your life. If it doesn't happen, it's because of you. I get the inspiration there. I totally do. And there are aspects of that that are true. But the twisting to that is that you don't actually have all of the control. You don't. You have some control. And God, in his kindness, allows us to make choices about our, li our lives. Um, and he will direct our paths. But at the end of the day, you don't control if you get sick. You don't control what happens to your child. You don't control if a dream is crushed because of circumstances outside of your ability. You cannot control everything. You can't. And this is where surrender comes in. And this is where mourning comes in. Sometimes we have to mourn the loss of what we hoped our physical state would be like or our brain chemistry. I'm somebody who struggles with depression and anxiety and I take medication for it. And I have struggled with beating myself up. Like, why can't I just have a normal brain? And, but the reality is I don't, 
I've got some wonky things going on in my brain. And so my doctor and my husband both are like, Sarah, the meds just help you to be who you actually are. I just had this conversation with my husband the other day and I was like, I don't know if it's me or if it's the meds. Like, I don't know who I am. And my husband was like, Sarah, I've seen you. I've seen you when I married you. Like I saw you before you had the meds when you were in like a major depressive state and I've seen you when you're on them. And he was like, Sarah, you are who you actually are when you're on it because it's just balancing out your chemistry. And my doctor says the the same thing. She's like, Sarah, it's just regulating your serotonin levels and bringing you up to par so that you can function normally. And so... But for me, I still have to mourn the idea that I can just fix my brain and do what I want to do. That is not true for me. And everybody's different and everybody has different capacities and different limitations. And we want to accept who we are. We want to accept how God made us. We want to accept that we live in a fallen world and know that yet we can still work hard and we can do what we can. Like I chose to take medication so that I could continue to function in my life. That was a choice that I made and that the Lord allows us to make, but it doesn't mean I'm ever going to be the person that I necessarily wish in my dreams I could be, you know, like if I were a robot, I would get up at 5am every morning and I would, you know, work out for an hour and I would do all of these other things. Um, but we're just not robots. We're flesh and blood in a fallen world. And so we work hard. We do what we can. We mourn the things that we can't help. They're valid losses. And then we move forward in hope and joy. That is what we do. And the other caveat to that is that God is a God of impossible prayers. And so we don't ever want to discount the fact that God can do whatever he wants to do. Um, that's really important in our morning because, and I want to read you this scripture actually about hope. Um, I love this because we know that Jesus is our living hope. This is active. It is always working. God is always working for our good and for his glory. He's always working. It is a living hope. And so we don't ever, ever, ever want to let go of hope. We mourn the losses. We move forward. We surrender to God and we hope in the living hope that maybe the circumstance won't change but that he's going to do something inside of us. He's going to change something inside of us. He is going to allow, like, there is no reason I should be a happy person. (laughs) Like, maybe that's a really absurd statement, but what I mean is, like, I have a crappy childhood. Like, I I don't have a mom. Like, I struggle with depression and anxiety. I, you know, these may sound like surface things. Like, I lost a baby who's in heaven. Like, you know, all of these different things. But God did, has done such an incredible work in my heart. And he has just been so faithful and relentless to help me to heal and be set free. That even though things are not perfect on this earth, I am still joyful. And I actually love my life. I am so grateful. I'm grateful for every single day because I don't know what the heck is going to come down the pike tomorrow. I have so many fears about what might happen and I have to constantly, as Sally Clarkson taught me, put them in the file drawer of heaven. Like, Lord, take this because I I cannot live in that fear, the fear that I'm going to get a call that something happened to somebody in my family, the fear. I, I have so many of them. And so I have to only be thankful for today and mourn my losses for today, be thankful for the things that I do have. Just gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. 
that is what brings me joy. That is what gets me through. And knowing that God is always working good for me and he's always working good for you, even in the middle of the worst possible circumstances. Somebody said it takes a lot of faith to show up to life each day. Yeah, it really does. My counselor, Melanie, who I talked about in the book, she said she gets up every single morning and she puts her um, palms up to the Lord, hands up, palms up and says, Lord, here is what's on my agenda for the day. But my hands are open to whatever your agenda is for the day. Help me to walk in what you would have for me. And so she says, like, we get up, we make our plans, we do what we, you know, want to do, we make our choices, but our hands are always up and open to the Lord to say whatever interruptions he might have or whatever his agenda is, like, that is the thing we will surrender to. And so I love that, hands up, palms up. I try and remember that every single day. So here's the scripture. First um, Peter 1, 3, 3 through 4 says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. No matter what happens on this earth, we, our inheritance is sealed. It is sealed. We are going to be with the Lord one day and there's not going to be tears or death and it's going to be good. And it is a living hope. And first Timothy four ten says, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle. <laughs> we continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God, who is the savior of all people and particularly of all believer, all believers. Why would believers continue to need saving? Because we constantly jump back into bondage. We constantly like are so fearful and afraid of being exposed and telling the truth and, and, and being vulnerable and being honest and staying locked up because of our fears. Um, and this is why we continue to struggle. Like this is not going to stop on this earth, but our hope is in the living God. God, who is constantly saving us. We are saved once and for all, and he's constantly doing the work in us to bring us healing and freedom. In Romans 15, 13, and 1 Timothy 1, 1, this is what we learned from that, is that God is the God of hope, and Jesus is our hope. There is always hope. If you are still breathing on this earth, there is hope. And there's not just hope for our hearts to change, but sometimes, sometimes, the circumstances can change. Sometimes miracles do actually happen. But it's not that God's not faithful when the miracle doesn't happen. Sometimes, if it's a relationship, that other person has to bend a knee to the Lord. God is not forcing them. God woos us. He goes after us. He is relentless. He loves us. But that other person has to bend a knee. If you read my book, you see some wild things that the Lord did with my mom. But it's only because my mom got to a point where she finally bent a knee to the Lord. And then there were some pretty surprising things that happened that blew my mind. <laughs> so I'm going to go back now to, so we all understand morning is facing the truth. Um, I have lots to say about truth. Oh, I know. The, okay, so 
here's the great thing about facing the truth, because part of facing the truth is letting go of expectations, right? So to face the truth that I didn't have a mom was to then let go of the expectation that she would act like a mother to me or with my husband's dream being lost and broken for him to then let go of the expectation that he was going to become a police officer and instead to move forward in obedience to the Lord and say, what do you have for me now? Where hope sits, that could be like maybe one day somebody is going to come in his life and say the laws were changed and you can be a police officer. Woo! Cool. Like that's amazing. That's where hope is. But we don't we still have to mourn the loss and let go of the expectation. Otherwise, you're never going to move on because you're just going to keep holding on to it. And so we don't want to do that. So again, we don't mourn what God may yet restore, but we mourn the reality of what's happening and the reality of the past. For me, with my alcoholic mother, to let go of the expectation that she was ever going to be a kind, nurturing mother to me, was to then see her as a human made in the image of God that was in need of love and that God was calling me to stay in relationship to love her. We do not always have to stay in relationship, in toxic relationships. We do not. Um, But in this case, God was calling me to love her and forgive her. And so in order to do that, I had to let go of the expectation. So now she is this woman who I am going to love with a certain level of um, detachment uh, because... The reality was she didn't, she doesn't get to have that attachment with me. She doesn't get to have that because she severed it. And this is a layered thing, but because of all of her addictions and her pain and all of her stuff um, and her escapes into alcoholism, I could not therefore allow her in anymore. And so um, I had to, so I was able to love her with a certain measure of detachment, knowing that I was just going to love her as a person made in the image of God. And so here's what, uh, in the book Inside Out, which I'll put on that resource page, sarahmay.com forward slash favorite books, I will organize that today and make sure it looks good and add the books I don't have on there. But this is a phenomenal book. And in it, he says, um, he says this, but when we acknowledge the deep ache in our soul, which would not be there had our parents loved us perfectly, we begin to see how thirsty we are for what no one has provided. Okay, so I'm going to keep reading it, but that was the first part with me going into counseling. Once I acknowledged that ache in my soul that I didn't have a mom, then I realized how thirsty I was, how desperately I wanted a mom. We can recognize our demanding dependence on people, our sinful insistence that others do for us what they cannot do, which is a form of idolatry. When we learn, here's the part I want you to hear. When we learn to accept people who disappoint us by no longer requiring them to satisfy us, then we are free to love them, to reach toward them for their sake without having to protect ourselves from feeling disappointed by their response to us. Did you guys catch that? <laughs> this is what happened. This is why we mourn. This is why I had to mourn the loss of a mother so that I could love her without expectation so that she, she would not disappoint me because I did not have the expectation on her anymore. I just want to read this one part again. When we learn to accept people who disappoint us by no longer requiring them to satisfy us, she was not going to satisfy that daughter hole in my heart. It wasn't going to happen. Only the Lord can satisfy me. He is the only one. Yes, we have earthly parents and people on this earth that God so kindly gives us into relationship and community, but he is ultimately the only one who can satisfy us. 
when we learn to accept people who disappoint us by no longer requiring them to satisfy us, then we are free to love them, to reach toward them for their sake without having to protect ourselves from feeling disappointed by their response to us. This is huge, you guys, because I didn't move towards her for my own sake. I then moved towards her in love, one, because it was obedience to God. He wanted me to do it. But two, because see, we see right here, but God sees the bigger picture. He sees everything. And he knew that if I obeyed him and continued to love her, he had other plans for her. If I would have cut relationship and not loved her, who knows if, you know, 15 years later, she would have ever stopped drinking. Who knows if she would have ever come to know the Lord. This is why we obey God even when it hurts. This is why we love even when it hurts. It, it's because we do not see the end of the story. We do not see the whole story, the whole plan, the whole anything. We only see what's in front of us, but God sees everything. So if he tells you to do something and it's really hard and you don't understand, do it anyway, because he has a purpose in that. And for me, with my mother, looking back, I can go, oh my gosh, he had me stay in a relationship and continue to love her because he was going to use that to eventually save her and have her stop drinking. This is why we have got to trust God more than we trust our own selves and our own perceptions and our own ideas of things because you don't see everything and you for sure don't know what's going on in somebody's heart. The mature, I'm just going to read a tiny bit more. The mature Christian who is one who is growing in his ability to love people as they are, not as he wishes them to be. The purpose of admitting how disappointed we are in everyone else is not to fuel our criticism and anger or to fasten the blame for our failures on how our parents raised us. The purpose is precisely the opposite, to expose ourselves how we wrongly demand that others always come through for us and to learn to move toward them without that demand, to love them freely and genuinely. I love that because it's so true. We want to learn how to move forward to people so that we can love them in freedom. And we cannot love them in freedom if we don't deal and face our own pain and mourn our losses. So um, I think that is about all I have for you guys today. <laughs> Somebody said, not as mature as I thought. Oh, let me tell you something, you guys. You're going to think... Well, I don't know about you. This is me, okay? I think that I have reached some, like, level of maturity, and, and I've learned so many of these things through experience and through study, and um, and I can teach them. And so I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, I think I've got myself, you know, decently together. And then something triggers me, and I will act like, okay, I'm just going to give you an example, okay? <laughs> Because this is just the nature of the human heart and the Lord will continue to bring stuff up no matter how much you grow and no matter how far you go and no matter how much freedom and healing, there's always more to be done. So, oh gosh, guys, this is so embarrassing. And P.S. Embarrassment is a form of pride, by the way. So, um, I was on a family vacation this past summer with my husband's family. And when I'm around them, all of them... This lie triggers in me that I'm not good enough. It's not because they do anything. They don't. They're just wise, godly, kind, gracious people. And they are all very mature. 
and they, my husband had a fan, you know, a wonderful family, not a perfect family, but a really wonderful Christian family. And, um, and his sisters and their families, they're just kind, godly, wise women. And, and their whole families are great. And when I get around them, for some reason, this triggers in me that I'm not as good as them, that I'm not as godly, that I'm not as wise, that I'm immature, that I'm all of these things. And then what happens is I act in a way that reinforces that. And then I'm like, what just happened? So I'm going to give you an example. I mean, it was like everything came out, all the immaturity, all the junk, everything came out this summer when I was around them to the point that I was literally like not only just so embarrassed by my behavior, but like really shocked that I thought I had dealt with these things and apparently I had not. So, so I'm, my, my sister-in-law at one point, she's doing dishes, right? And I had, I had brought things that we could just throw out. I didn't want to have to do dishes. It was vacation. And she's like, Hey, will you help me like clean the pan? And this was her invitation to just sit and talk. You know, we could talk together and wash the dishes together. And I literally was like, this is why I brought paper products so I wouldn't have to do dishes. And she stares at me, and I'm like, I can't believe I just said that. It was like that the whole week. The things that were coming out of my mouth were so immature and absurd. And, like, the whole week I was just in tears because of all the crap that was still going on in my heart and all of the lies that I was believing when I was around these people. Like they just, I don't know how it is with you guys, but you get around certain family members, you get around certain people and it's like, boom, 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 all the triggers are going off. And it doesn't even mean those people are bad or doing anything wrong. It's just for whatever reason, they are hitting up against your lies. And I mean, it was bad. It was so bad to the point that I remember finally towards the end of the week, sitting down with one of my sisters-in-law and saying, um, I, you know, I just start crying and I'm like, I think like I've been so immature and I just think that you guys don't think I'm biblical and you don't, you know, like see me as good enough. And, you know, I'm just, you know, on and on and on. And she said to me, and I know these things, but (laughs) she said to me, Sarah, your observation might be right. Like you're acting immature. She didn't say that to me, but she's saying like, your observation may be correct that what you're saying is you're acting immature, but your conclusion's not right. Your conclusion that we don't love you or see you a certain way, like those conclusions aren't correct. What if the conclusion is that God just has work that he wants to show you something and, and work on that in you? Like, you know, and, and it was so terrible and so true and and then I took a long walk with my mother-in-law and I just had this wonderful conversation and I invited her to do something really vulnerable that scares her to death because my mother-in-law does not cross boundaries and she does not give me her opinion unless I ask and I literally invited her in and I said and I said Susan I would really like you to share what you see in me like some of the immature areas because I would really like to face those and grow. And she was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) And I was like, I know you don't, but I'm inviting you to do that with me because I know you love me. And I know that you're not critical of me. And I know that anything you say to me, it's out of love. And I knew she was not going to rail on me. Like 
that's not her. And in fact, she was so trepidatious to even share anything. And she like sandwiched it and like all the things she loves about me. Right. <laughs> it's just so my mother-in-law, she's so kind. Um, but she was able to share some things that she saw in me that were things that I needed to go before the Lord and say, okay, God, like here are some areas that I am really immature. And would you help me to be a grown up in these areas? Because I wasn't being one. And sometimes facing our own sin and immaturity really sucks. <laughs> like it's humiliating and painful and embarrassing. But if we let our pride get in the way of, of the Lord changing us, then we're just going to stay in those yucky patterns. And so this is where humility comes in. And it's so hard. And, and that's where we can say like, okay, I'm going to lay down the pride and the embarrassment and face these things. Because actually, it's a severe mercy that he does that to us. It's severe because it hurts. But it's a mercy because it allows us to change and grow. These things are going to continue to come up all of our lives. None of us have it together. We all have areas that the Lord wants to work on us. That's all we're going to have today. So thank you guys for tuning in again. You are gracious and wonderful. Yes. So the plan is 9.15 ish. And the one day I would love to be consistent enough to say like every morning at 9am or every morning at 9.15. I have to say 9.15 ish because I have the toddler baby doggies. <laughs> The one is still just a puppy, which is, she's really the one that makes it difficult is the little one. So she's going to grow up. It's not always going to be like this. So basically look for me around 9.15. I will be on here and we'll do this thing. So, all right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Let's Get Free Morning Show. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye. Well, friends, there you have it. You got to get a preview of what my Let's Get Free live morning show is like. I hope that you will tune in every day, Monday through Friday at 9.15-ish a.m. So, uh, hey, I hope to see you guys tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Complicated Heart Podcast. If you like this podcast, if you've found it helpful, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review. Reviews are how people know if they should listen or not, so your review matters. Thank you so much. If you want to know more, check out sarahmay.com forward slash the complicated heart podcast.